Bible, we're going to look in three places, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, and 1 John chapter 2. Uh, but I'm going to take a moment here and see if I can get... some live streaming going here. So while you're turning, uh, I'm working at this. One day we'll get a system where we can really do this in a very slick way. Um, Today is not that day. So, yeah, we're preparing to go live. It's setting up. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. There's... So much anticipation. And there. Okay. Well, so the scriptures here, starting out with uh, 1 Corinthians. There we are. Chapter 4, just short passages from each one of these. 14 to 16. Paul is writing here and he says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And then, oops, let me continue. Uh, I urge you then, be imitators of me. Sorry, almost missed that verse. (laughs) And then to Ephesians chapter 6, just one verse here. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And then finally to uh, 1 John chapter 2. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, being Father's Day here, oops, sorry. Let's try that again. There we go. Being Father's Day here, um, I, I, I couldn't resist, but actually to do a few dad jokes. Uh, so I hope, uh, I know that it won't be anywhere nearly as good as Olashina, uh, but uh, if, I, if I'd really thought about this enough in advance, I would have had uh, maybe Olashina and I do dueling dad jokes, and then you could decide who is the best. Uh, but, you know, since I already know that I would probably win that, um, oh, Olashina is about to take me down a notch here. Okay, here we go. Here, here's here's uh, some of the best dad jokes in the world. Uh, and, you know, I've loved telling dad jokes for a very, very long time. So here's some of the best ones. Um, for example, do you know the first French fries weren't actually cooked in France? They were cooked in Greece. How about that one? Okay. Uh, this is one of my favorite new dad jokes. 
the Secret Service now in the United States, the U.S. Secret Service, they're, they're the ones who protect the president and any number of other things. Uh, the Secret Service now isn't allowed to yell, get down anymore, uh, when the president is about to be attacked. Now they have to say, Donald Duck! <laughs> whack, 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 whack. Oh, okay, we're getting some laughter here in the room. Let's pick it up. You know, I'm reading a book right now about anti-gravity. It's hard to put down. I ordered a chicken and an egg from Amazon. I'll let you know. Do you get that one? Andrew McPhee is laughing very hard at that one. I, I, I could just see that. Okay, here it is. What is the least spoken language in the world? Sign language. Uh, my daughter yelled, Dad, you haven't listened to one word I've said, have you? I thought to myself, what a strange way to start a conversation. <laughs> oh, okay, here you go. Uh, for those uh, uh, from uh, uh, the Caribbean, you know, I, I discovered, I did some research on this, that a slice of apple pie is $2.50 in Jamaica, uh, but $3 in the Bahamas. These are the pirates of the Caribbean. Ooh, not getting the big laughs here. Uh, uh, this one I love. My friend keeps saying to me, you know, I've been down a bit, but my friend keeps saying to me, cheer up, man. It could be worse. You could be stuck underground in a hole full of water. I know he means well. A hole underground full of water is a well. I know he means well. Okay. Uh, ooh, here's what I, I thought about telling this one for Karen because it doesn't really apply to me, but, you know, it's, it's very close. Spring is here. I got so excited that I wet my plants. <laughs> okay, a woman is on trial for beating her husband to death with his guitar collection. The judge says, first offender? She says, no, first a Gibson, then offender. <laughs> and uh, here is my all-time favorite dad joke that, that I tell all the time. A three-legged dog walks into a bar in the Old West. I'm looking for the man who shot my paw. Oh, well, if you don't get that now, you'll get that later. <laughs> oh, it's great to be able to tell a few, a few dad jokes along the way. Uh, and it looks like most people have connected in. Uh, some of you dads out there, uh, if you need that list, just let me know. I'm happy to send it to you. Uh, these jokes are worth telling at least 100 times to your kids. Uh, okay, a bonus, a bonus dad joke. It's actually a bonus granddad joke because it comes from Karen's grandfather uh, that we loved dearly uh, before he passed away. Uh, he was from southern Illinois, uh, and he would, we would go into a restaurant, and he'd always say to the waitress, do you know where okra comes from? And she'd say, no, where? Oklahoma. <laughs> say that one in honor of Coop. 
whose wife is there stuck in <laughs> Oklahoma, which is a state. Okay, you got that. Uh, <laughs> I, I love to tell the dad jokes, but I also think being a father is such uh, an important high calling uh, for any man that chooses to take it up. Um, and in fact, I really believe that if the church is going to be God's agent for disruption that God intends it to be, uh, and if we're really going to see a shift in our society uh, to something that, that is good, uh, overcoming any of the major problems in our society, one of the key components is going to be having healthy, vital fathers and having those fathers be real fathers for the young men, the young women around them. Now, we have to remember, fathers are seldom fashionable. Uh, you know, you, one way you can tell that a preacher is not a father uh, is if he's trying to be, you know, just really hip and fashionable and up to date. Uh, because I, I've known fathers for all my life. Uh, and I have never seen a father that was really in fashion. I mean, we're, we're always out of date to kids. Uh, we're always out of date to the younger generation. Uh, and many times we think that in order to be a father, we need to be a really good friend. You know, it's about being our kid's best friend. That's not what being a father is about. Sometimes we think in order to be a father, it means being up to date, you know, wearing uh, the hip clothes. And, and you know that I'm not hip because I use the word hip. Uh, you know, wearing the right clothes, uh, listening to the right music, uh, saying the right thing, getting the right language, uh, using the right emojis. Man, I don't even get emojis. Uh, I can barely use them. I, I still like the smiley face. The smiley face kind of works for me. Uh, but none of this really is the heart of being a father and, and how to live with a father and what we should do as fathers. Uh, and so we need to know that. We need to talk about that. We need to affirm fathers. Now, this is not to disrespect moms. Mothers are important too. Uh, don't get me wrong. But fathers are very important. If you want to know how uh, important fathers are for the faith, uh, quite a number of years ago, um, a group, George Barna, Barna Research, you, you all know this, uh, this is probably at least 20 years ago, they did some research. And the question was yeah, of children who would grow up to become Christians. Uh, if they looked at the family system, uh, and see who's a Christian and the children that grew up to be Christians, what did they discover? Well, they discovered that if mom and dad were both uh, committed practicing Christians, about 95% of their children would grow up to be a follower of Jesus. I mean, not cultural Christians, but people who are vibrant in their faith were really committed to Jesus. That's what we're talking about. They also discovered that if neither mom nor dad uh, had a relationship with Jesus Christ, were, were Christians, then only about 5% of those kids uh, would become Christians. But most interestingly, they looked at where situations where the mom was the real practicing Christian in the family. So the mom is the one who had the vital faith in Jesus Christ. How many? About 50% would grow up to be Christians which, I mean, that's okay. But if you looked at, if only the dad 
not the mom, the mom's a non-believer, but the father alone was actively following Christ, more than 70% of their children would choose to follow Christ as well. I mean, it demonstrates how important fathers actually are uh, in the kingdom of God, how important fathers are for God's purposes for society. And when we're talking about fathers, I'd like to suggest we're talking about three kinds of fathers uh, in the kingdom, you know, in the kingdom of God. We all know that getting a woman pregnant doesn't make you a father. I mean, I was adopted, uh, and I thank God that I was adopted. But the, the father, the, the, the man who um, is my biological father, is what, like a, how I refer to it, he's not my father. You saw a picture of my father earlier and my mother. Now, neither one, my, my father, uh, my mother didn't give birth to me, but they both loved me, and they're my father and my mother. So we, we understand this very clearly, that just having a kid impregnating a woman doesn't make you a father. Uh, being a father is so much more. And by the way, you know, as, as I prayed, as we're talking here, uh, we know many, many people had problematic relationships with their father. I, I'm one of those. Uh, and I could tell you stories, but that's not the purpose here uh, at this point. Uh, but if we've had those troubled relationships with our father, we can seek the Lord and the Lord can help us to resolve those issues. As he did in my own life, uh, I am convinced that he can do that in other people's lives as well. Uh, and if you're interested in knowing more about that, get in touch with us at City Temple uh, and we'd like to give you some directions, some help uh, in that direction. Uh, so, But I want to talk about three kinds of father and you know, I think they're broadly represented in the scriptures, uh, but they're certainly represented in practical terms today. Apologies for that. Uh, the first one is what we normally think of a father, a father uh, in a Christian family. Uh, whether or not uh, that the children are adopted or, or whether or not you know, the, the, the family even has kids at that stage, uh, there are fathers in Christian families. Now, how do we know a genuine father in a Christian family? How can we recognize them? Uh, what are they called to do? Well, first of all, you can recognize a genuine father because genuine fathers show honor and respect to mothers. And they show honor and respect to all women. Uh, frankly, there's a lot of places in the world today where guys are claiming to be dads, but they, they disrespect the, their wives, they beat their wives, they mistreat their kids, uh, they do not show honor and respect to their wives, and they don't show honor and respect to other women. They're filled with hearts of lust. Uh, they're always looking after, uh, looking at other women, eyeing them up and things like this. Uh, and these guys, I mean, that's not living as a father. A genuine father, scripturally, is someone who will show honor and respect to his wife, uh, to the mother of his children, and to all women in general. A second dynamic with, with, about, about Christian fathers is they are committed, as far as it's within their ability, uh, they are committed to stay with their wife and their children, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. They're committed to being faithfully engaged with their family. 
Um, now, we all know situations where women walk away from the marriage and things like that, and you cannot blame fathers for that. But frankly, men need to rise up. Fathers need to rise up and say, I am committed to staying with my family, not only uh, physically, but also emotionally. I want to engage with them. I'm connected to them. And spiritually, I am going to be uh, the, the, the spiritual protector of my family. And I'm not meaning that in some kind of sexist way. I'm meaning that in a way that, that we men have been designed by God to do. Uh, and so we need that in, in actual fathers in Christian families. Fathers in Christian families also shine forth a good example in terms of hard work and morality. One of the great things, that, and I had a troubled relationship with my dad, but you know one of the things that I thank God almost every day for my dad is that he demonstrated to me what it means to work hard. He showed me what I need to do to work hard, and that has served me my entire life. It served me my entire life. And so dads need to be shining forth this example. It's not something you can hide. It's not something that, that you, you need to, uh, that you can hope that your kids catch. Uh, You've got to be shining this. Uh, that means your kids have to see it, and you have to know that they're seeing it. My dad certainly did, and I bless God for that. And, and the, the fourth thing about fathers in Christian families is that they need to share Christ with your family intentionally. The, the Barna research demonstrates to us that fathers cannot be passive in the spiritual raising of their children. Fathers cannot be passive. The other dynamic, too, that Barna uh, research is showing us is that moms and dads together need to be the primary disciplers of their children. The church can't disciple your kids. You have to disciple your kids, and the church will help. We want to resource that, but we can't do that. There is absolutely no church that can disciple uh, the children of parents. The parents have to be the disciple makers. And my heart breaks because I've been in many places in the world where you have three or four generations of Christian families and churches and a generation uh, or two is now walking away from God. And when I look at it, it's not because of the theology. It's not because of the preaching. It's not because of the style of worship. It's often because the parents were not actively engaged in discipling their children. And fathers, you need to take a lead in this. You need to take a lead. And this doesn't mean that you have to preach to them or lecture to them, but learning how to do this on a day-to-day -day basis um, is something that can be very powerful uh, for your kids. So, so that's the, the one kind of father that we need. We need fathers in Christian families because fathers who act in these ways will bring stability and vibrancy to their Christian family. And I thank God that we have fathers in this church who are doing this kind of thing. Uh, some of them are, are single dads. You know, some, some of them uh, have been married for a long time, but it, it's just amazing. And I'm thanking God for you dads. Uh, and I have seen so many godly examples uh, right here in this fellowship. And we need to make sure that we're strengthening one another as fathers and encouraging one another as fathers because we need these fathers in Christian families. It's, it's absolutely vital. 
That's the first kind. There's a second kind of father that's needed in our world today, and it's especially needed by, from men who are Christians as well, whether or not they have kids, whether or not they have kids. And these are fathers who, and I use that word in quotes, if you will, fathers who are men with maturity who invest themselves in those younger uh, men and women, especially younger men. We need fathers who are men who have maturity, emotional maturity, spiritual maturity, life maturity, who are investing themselves in younger, uh, younger men and younger women, but particularly younger men. So how do you recognize uh, a man like this? Uh, we often call them mentors, but I think uh, mentor actually means something a little bit differently. Uh, fathers do mentoring, uh, but they do more. Uh, they do more investing uh, in the lives of these younger men and younger women. Uh, so how do you recognize them? Well, uh, one, we need to remember, as I said before, father, fatherlessness really is the scourge of our age, and it's resulted in many lost generations. Uh, and so we really need men, we need to rise up, whether or not you have kids, to, to say, God, show me how I might serve as a father in this way. So how can you recognize these guys? Well, first of all, these are the men who pay attention and show interest in the other person. Now, they might not have a lot of time. Uh, it's not about the amount of time that you have, but your willingness to pay attention and show interest in that younger person. And that means you're not paying attention to them for your own benefit. You're not paying attention to them because you'll get something out of it. You're not paying attention to them simply because you want them to be better employees. You're paying attention to them because you see value and worth in them as young people. So they pay attention and they show interest. The second thing that they do is they plan time. They're willing to plan time uh, to be with those uh, younger people. Now, they don't always initiate that. You know, sometimes it's the younger people who need to initiate it. But I know with the, the younger guys in my life uh, over the years, uh, if one of them asks me for time, it's my highest priority. I will give them time as soon as possible uh, because that's important to me. They are important to me. In fact, they are more important to me than almost anything else that I do. Uh, now, a third thing that these fathers who are like mentors, uh, who are investing themselves in those youngers, uh, the third thing that they do is they provide resources. Uh, they're not afraid to share their money. They're not afraid to share their strength. Uh, they're, they want to help resource the younger people so that they might be effective, so that they might accomplish what God has put on, not the father's heart, but on the son's heart. Because every genuine father, whether it's a father in a family, a father as a mentor, or a spiritual father, which we're going to look at, every genuine father wants their children to exceed them in everything. Every genuine father wants their children to be better than them. Better doing what they do, have a better life, have a better uh, uh, strength in there, better vitality. Uh, that's a, one of the hallmarks of a genuine father, uh, no matter where they're found. So they'll provide resources. And then the fourth thing that these fathers do 
they pass on their wisdom and experience. Now, they're not preachy. Uh, they're not looking for a crowd. But when the opportunities arise and the, the person is willing to receive, they'll pass on what wisdom or experience they have. Uh, and the young person who has such a father mentor in their life and chooses to listen will receive great benefit, will receive great benefit. And so you have these fathers as mentors, uh, and they can exist. By the way, there can be Christians who act in this way. Uh, I've seen many that are like that. But what we need is Christians who are acting this way. And one of the most powerful areas for us as Christians to act in this way is in the workplace. It's with younger people in the workplace, trying to help them succeed, trying to help them thrive, having those kinds of relationships uh, in the workplace can be exceedingly powerful. So that's the second kind of father that the world needs right now and the church needs uh, if it's going to be God's agent for disruption. The third kind of father is the one that Paul was talking about when he talked about himself, and that's a father who is a spiritual leader. But not every spiritual leader is a father. We need to understand this. See, uh, what Paul says here in this passage there in 1 Corinthians is very powerful. He says that you have countless guides, but you do not have many fathers. Uh, that word countless literally means 10,000. In other words, Paul's saying, you got all the guides that you could possibly want, but there aren't many fathers around. And that's really true in what we see in the world today. There are countless guides, but there aren't many fathers. So what was a guide? A guide was actually a paid attendant or a servant who accompanied the child for the purpose of protecting the child, uh, guiding the child, and giving general supervision of their behavior. They, they function like a, a guardian or, or a teacher or corrector. But the key thing here is they are motivated by paid duty, not by love for the child. This is what a guide is. They're motivated by paid duty, not for the love of the child. And frankly, right now, globally, I would wager that the vast majority of church leaders are nothing more than guides in this sense. And I know that's, that's kind of tough to say. Uh, and I hope if there's some church leaders listening to this that they feel convicted. Because frankly, there are a lot of people, men and women, who are doing the job of leading the church for what they get out of it. Now, in some cases, it's pay. You know, some people do it because they get a nice salary and the salary makes them comfortable, and so that's great. But you know, uh, money is not the only kind of pay. There are some people who are acting as a leader in churches uh, because of the power that they get from that. There are some people that act as a leader in the church because they feel like everybody accepts them, and so they want to please people. They're, they're popular, and they like that popularity, so, so they lead. Um, you know, and in some places, uh, people are leading churches, even large churches, because it makes them feel significant. It makes them feel important in themselves. All of these things are paid duty. If you're leading because of the money that you're getting, if you're leading 
because of the power that you have, if you're leading because of the prestige of it, uh, because of the attention of it, because of the accolades that you're getting, if you're leading for any other reason than to please God and, and serve God's children, you are a guide. You are definitely not a father. And we need spiritual fathers in the body of Christ across the world today because spiritual fathers are essential for the church to be God's agent of disruption. Now, we also need leaders who, yes, you know, they're preaching, they're teaching, they're doing their thing. They may not be a spiritual father, but they are trying to serve the Lord with their heart, you know, and that's okay. Uh, We need that, obviously, and there are many church leaders that would fall into that category, but we need fathers, spiritual fathers in the body of Christ around the world. So how do you recognize a father? Well, you become a father through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's by preaching and ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ to people that you become a spiritual father in their lives. Um, And uh, these spiritual fathers, they will build on the other father qualities that I've just discussed. So these other qualities I've mentioned, you'll see them in the lives of spiritual fathers as well. But in addition to this, spiritual fathers demonstrate faithfulness. They're, they're, they're not about technique or technology, although technology is great. I wish I knew more about tech. I wish I had better tech. Uh, I wish I had a lot more money to do tech uh, and all that. But, but it's not about technology. It's about faithfulness. It's not about getting the technique right and being, you know, being the best preacher since Jesus. It's about faithfulness. And fathers, spiritual fathers demonstrate faithfulness. The second thing, spiritual fathers develop fruitfulness, fruitfulness in themselves and in other people. But understand, we can't measure fruitfulness just by worldly standards. Some fruit takes a long time to ripen. Uh, Some fruit, like a banana, you know, a banana doesn't ripen on the tree. You got to cut it off the tree and move it someplace else. And so some fathers I've seen will minister to somebody in their church, not to say that they're bananas, but uh, will minister to somebody in their church, and that person doesn't seem to ripen at all, uh, but they grow and they develop, and then God sends them to another church, and suddenly they're ripe. Uh, I I realize there's all kinds of ways you could misuse that analogy, but you get my point there. Uh, You get how that works there. Uh, So fathers, spiritual fathers will develop fruitfulness. It's not about success in the world's term, uh, on the world's terms. Spiritual fathers determine to persevere and endure. They don't flee from difficulty. And I know a lot of people who will just flee. They'll run away from a church, they'll run away from a leader, or the leader will run away from the church when there's any sign of difficulty. And that's not a spiritual father. Uh, that's what Jesus called a hired hand uh, in the Gospel of John. So they determine to persevere and endure. And finally, they defend their family fiercely. They defend their family fiercely, but they do not defend themselves. It's one of the hardest things. One of the hardest things that I've had to learn, that I've struggled with in my life, how to defend my church family without defending myself. Frankly, sometimes I've really failed at it. 
Uh, I'd like to think, and I hope that I'm much better at it today. But there's a power when people know that we defend them fiercely. And I hope everybody at City Temple knows that I will defend you fiercely. Um, and I hope that I've shown a track record of that because you're my family and I love you um, and I want to serve you uh, with my life. And uh, that's very, very important to me. So if you're a father, whether it's a, a, a father in a Christian family or a father as a mentor or a spiritual father, just a couple of encouragements. Live out faithfulness. Live out faithfulness. That is one of the most important things that you can do as a father. And faithfulness makes a bigger difference for your children than you will ever recognize. The second thing, live with integrity. Live with integrity. You've got to be a genuine person on the inside and your kids need to see what's on the inside, the good on the inside, come to the outside. A person of integrity who lives like they say what they say they believe. They live on the outside what they say they are on the inside. That's what integrity is all about. And the third thing, if you're a father, love like Jesus. And everybody immediately thinks, well, that means I need to die on the cross. No, it doesn't, although you might. Uh, what it does mean is that we have to start where Jesus started, who emptied himself and became a servant, becoming like one of us fully, humbling himself and becoming obedient even to the point of death. And that's how we love as fathers. We empty ourselves for our children so that they might become the people of God, the people of Christ that God has designed them to be. Now, if you have a father, so I'm speaking to all you kids out there, uh, whether you're literal kids uh, or virtual kids uh, or spiritual kids uh, or you know, with a mentor, whatever it is, uh, just a few things, a few encouragements for you to make the most out of your father. Uh, first thing, recognize your father. Recognize that the person in your life uh, if the, you know, they're your actual dad, you know, your physical dad, uh, or if they're a mentor dad or if they're a spiritual dad, recognize them as such. Acknowledge them as such. And recognize them for who they are, not for who you want them to be. I struggled a lot with my dad until I came to the point of realizing that, you know, I needed to accept my dad for who he is and who he was, not who I wanted him to be. And when I did that, I experienced a whole lot of freedom in my life. Uh, and I'm thankful for that. So kids, recognize your fathers. Uh, the second thing, respect your fathers. Show them respect every single day. Show them that they have worth and value in your life. The third thing is receive your fathers. Receive what they have to share with you. Sometimes it will be like a dad joke, something that you will let go in one ear and out the other. That's okay, just receive it. And here's a clue, as your fathers get older, they tend to repeat those things over and over and over and over. I know, Karen tells me that. Uh, and my, the clue here is, pretend like you're hearing it for the first time. Uh, it's important. 
It's important. And you know, I think that that's one of the ways that God has us learn because our fathers will tell the same stories again and again so we can learn those stories and tell those to our children uh, and pass them on. So receive your father, receive their wisdom, receive their love in the way that they can give it to you. Receive your father and reproduce your father. It's a bit when, when Paul says, imitate me, He's not saying, you know, mock me or do exactly what I'm doing, but he's saying, let my life have an influence in your life. Follow me. Follow the good parts of my example. And so one of the greatest honors that we can give to our fathers is to reproduce the godly things in their lives, not the ungodly things. You know, for my own father, I want to reproduce the godly things that he showed me, not the ungodly things. And, in, you know, in any dad, there's going to be godly stuff and ungodly stuff, sinful stuff and righteous stuff that is in our lives. And so we reproduce what is godly. We reproduce what is righteous. We reproduce what is good and what is beneficial and honorable. And God will use that to strengthen us and to encourage us. Fathers are so important, whether there are actual fathers, whether they're the fathers, the older men in our lives, who mentor us, who encourage us, or whether they are our spiritual fathers, they are absolutely essential to us. And the design, God's design for our fathers, is not so that our dads will do everything we want them to do. It's certainly not that our dads will be perfect, because no human dad is perfect. Only Father God in heaven is the perfect father. And every father draws his example the good parts of his example from our heavenly father. Uh, and that's so powerful and so important. But in my life, I realized going back, when I was growing up, I didn't appreciate my dad. I didn't at all. I didn't really respect my dad for quite a number of reasons. But as I got older and as my dad got older, and now that he's gone to be with the Lord, thankfully he, he turned his life to Jesus just uh, the day before he died. And so now that he's gone to be before the Lord, I look back and I realize the things that God used my father to plant in my life. Things like hard work, uh, things like showing respect, these things that God, that, that my dad did that developed something in me that I share with all my spiritual kids. And that's one of the reasons that God has given us these dads, to strengthen us, to give us a foundation, a platform from which we will live and we will grow and we will serve as God's agent of disruption in the world around us. Because let me tell you, children who are planted on a solid foundation, mixing my metaphors there, apologies, uh, children who are there on a solid foundation a solid father foundation will be able to disrupt in righteousness, not in sinfulness, in holiness, not in anarchy, in truth, not in falsehood. And that's the kind of disruptors that our world needs right now. Let's pray. Gracious God, we do love you and we honor you. We worship you and we adore you. Lord, I thank you 
I thank you for showing us so much in the scripture about what it means to be a father and the gift of fathers in our lives. Lord, I know that, you know, for many of us, we haven't had really great dads and no dad is perfect. But I thank you, Lord, that even if our own dad wasn't perfect, we have other examples of fathers around us. And I thank you, Lord, that you have called men in the body of Christ to rise up as real fathers, godly fathers, whether it's in the home, it's in the workplace, or it's in the church. And I pray, Father God, that we would see many fathers raising up in this season, in this day, so that we could see new generations built on solid foundations who can live for Jesus and disrupt this world for the glory of God in Jesus Christ. We thank you, we praise you, we worship you and adore you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.